It's hot as hell in here, and that's because we're on the road of demons. When you're listening into the Demon Road Diaries, you're going to get crazy action. You're going to get the real on the ground from demons themselves. Effie approves demon energy, and if you need it in your ears, you can have it forever. That's the magic of Demon Road Diaries. Thanks for tuning in, and make sure you subscribe. Let's talk about better beard care. Let's talk about La Barba Cubano. All summer long, La Barba Cubano has been dropping brand new scents every couple of weeks, new oils and new items to just shake things up. Currently, there's a brand new triple coffee scented beard oil called Cafe Blackout, and I highly recommend it. Uh, there's so much new and different stuff always coming to labarba.life so head to labarba.life and pick up some labarba cubano beard oils soaps and so much more and when you're ready to check out use the code demon daddies to save yourself 13 percent it's labarba cubano better beard care for your beard or a beard you love I hope that goes well over top of our opening music. I am sure well I have uh, zero I mean, notes. I mean wait, who wrote is that is that a Billy Joel song or a Why by the Late? Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know. Is it like sticks or something? I don't fucking know. I only, I only listen to sad, cry, crying emo people I music. I can't remember if that's Bruce Springsteen or Billy Joel. I don't think it's Bruce Springsteen. It's definitely not Bruce Springsteen. You never know. This has got um, a few tricks up his sleeve. He's got, oh, know, yeah, it is, it, it is a Bruce Springsteen song. Blinded by the Light? Yeah. It says here, Blinded by the Light is a song written and recorded by Bruce Springsteen, which first appeared in the 1973 debut album, Greetings from Asbury Park. What the Hell fuck? yeah! But it doesn't even sound like Bruce Springsteen. What does Bruce uh, Springsteen even sound like outside of the song Born in the USA? Her, um, uh, hold on. Okay, so I think what you're thinking of, so apparently the version that people are familiar with is by the Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Okay, yeah, that's the one that we've all heard. So it's, oh, the so it's... The in the what? So that's actually a cover? 
Yeah. Uh, of a Bruce Springsteen song? Like, it must have been yeah, like a B-side. Who brings Bruce Springsteen ever beat? Fucking nobody, I'll tell you that. Maybe Bret <laughs> Hart. He probably beat Bret Hart. Uh, who Bret Hart? Beat me, never. Bruce. <laughs> you never, you never beat me, Bruce. Bruce, you never beat me. Ah, um, uh, hey, anyways. Speaking <laughs> of speaking of beating people. <laughs> hey, hey! Welcome to Demon Road Diaries, your hashtag sixth favorite wrestling podcast. You know who we are. Um, I think probably because this is like the sixtieth episode, like real episode of Demon Road Diaries. Uh, it's me. It's me. It's your sweet Katie G. And your bastard son, blinded by Ronnie Rios. And you're probably going to die very soon because she just ate strawberries that taste like bleach. Chelsea Dern. Necessarily evilly poisoned by the bleach strawberries. Poisoned by the bleach. That's uh, our new entrance uh, music. And I don't Uh, wake up in the middle of the night because I don't wake up anymore. Yeah. Nobody wakes up from the bleach berries. Uh, so we haven't done a deep dive in a while and we uh, were thinking about it um, and we thought a while like a while back uh, I was like you know I don't know if anyone's digging these uh, deep dives but uh, a couple weeks ago somebody jumped on our um, jumped on Apple podcasts and left a review on the podcast uh, saying something along the lines of like this fucking uh, podcast rules. Uh, hold on, I'm gonna get the. Well, the gist was that he really enjoyed the deep dives. Yeah. So, um, yeah. which I want to get his name so I can uh, go to show. Here it is. Um, bing bong bing. Uh, where's the fucking bing bong bing? <laughs> this is uh, high co- high caliber audio here. Um, if you're, uh, it's from somebody. Uh, I keep saying a guy. I don't know. The person's uh, name is Yogi Twenty Two Twenty Two, and they left a review that said, "If you're looking for an intoxicating deep dive into the indie wrestling world or witty foul mouth banter amongst friends, you have come to the right podcast. DRD gives both and interviews with some of wrestling's greatest." They dub themselves your sixth favorite wrestling podcast, but they deserve to be everyone's number one. So thank you, Yogi2222. Hit us up on social medias, and uh, I will personally mail out some fucking stickers and uh, wristbands and whatever other fucking shenanigans we've purchased uh, for the podcast. My favorite part of the review is when he says that we're intoxicating because we're definitely toxic. Yeah, toxic. And I, I'm not drinking this week, so uh, not not like when I say this week, I mean this episode because I was ha, how on. problematic of you. <laughs> um, but it's only because I forgot uh, a cider in the fridge. Um but yeah, so we figured it's time to do a deep dive, uh, and it's summertime, time for bikini bods and uh, 
Bud Light seltzers during the summer. Do what? What do people do during the summer? I don't know. As people of the darkest uh, part of the attic, uh, we don't really do summer. But you know who did do summer? Uh, That is a. Yeah, that's a fucking transition. A certain Phil Brooks did summer. Uh, 2011 was dubbed the summer of punk. Wait a minute, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are we talking about AEW superstar Phil Brooks? We are possibly talking about a man who owns his own name, so it's not like we're going to have to worry about a, what is MC Punk doing in the... MC Punk? Oh my no, fucking lord. It would, be, it would be a CM Chipmunk. A CM Chipmunk? What oh, is, start, oh, no, what no, no, is CM Grunge doing CM Punk, no, um, CP Monk, the straight edge chipmunk. That's what it was. Uh, So, before we begin, what are your guys' favorite, um, uh, like, acronyms for what CM stands for? Oh, that's good. Um, I always liked Cookie Monster Punk. True. Uh, I mean... Obviously, I'm because I'm a sentimental person. I'm partial to Chicago Made because I feel like kayfabe that makes the most sense. Yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. I always like Chick Magnet Punk. Yeah, it was because that was a shoot, brother. <laughs> fact, it's just a fact. Is what that is. It's a goddamn fact. Mm-hmm. Well, um, as previously mentioned, mine is obviously Chipmunk. Yeah, Chipmunk Punk. Chipmunk being two words. Oh, I I am I am such a slut for rhyming, so yep. um, I gotta right. stop phrasing things like that. Like I'm a slut for blank because um my husband is so foreign. So like the first time he went to Target with me and I was like browsing through the home goods section, I was like I am such a slut for home organization, and he was like you're a, you're a slut for what? so so you're worried that you're gonna be like i'm such a slut for rhyming and he's you guys are gonna be hanging out at like an applebee's and someone's gonna be like uh it's margarita mondays so i hope you want to have some fun days and you're like just pull your penis out right now (laughs) just put that ah right here that's margarita mondays is not rhyming that's alliteration But Mondays and Fun Days does rhyme. It's like how poems work. You didn't say Monday Fun Day. I did. I said Margarita Mondays. I hope you're having a fun day. Z. That's a fucking poem. It's a poem. I don't love poems, Caden. I wrote a poem. Jesus Christ. I'm a phenomenal poemer. So, uh, 2011 was the summer of punk starting as early as, uh, as June of 2011. Um, where, where are we starting here? Are we starting, uh, well, I, I, I think the first, before we even like really get into the nitty gritty of it, I think it's important to really, I think, talk about what do you guys think about like the importance of this time? And specifically, this like end of match and events we're about to go over because obviously, you know, CM Punk is undeniably like a Hall of Fame main event superstar. 
mm-hmm. obviously influenced a lot of people. We come from like that generation. I think that was very specifically influenced by Sam Punk. So, like, as as people who all lived through this time, like, what is like? Do you guys and now with enough hindsight of like a decade of hindsight, what do you think is the significance of this period? Well, it basically, um, at least from my perspective, it seems like it completely changed the face of wrestling. It was kind of the the beginning point that ushered in, like, a new era of wrestling. Because we like to categorize things into the er eras, like the Attitude Era, which ended, and then we get the Ruthless Aggression Era. And then you have the PG era. Whole new this whole new thing with like the onset of the popularity of social media and um the act of pulling behind the curtain a little bit and breaking the fourth wall. That's something that like mainstream wrestling hadn't really done before. It was mm-hmm. Like having having, you know, people go out there on a live mic and just rip things to shreds. That wasn't that wasn't common. And, you know, in the following weeks and months, suddenly you have everybody trying to do these like every major promotion, every indie on the planet doing, you know, botched contract signings and uh, work shoots and all of these all of these different things trying to trying to cash in on the popularity of this type of thing with you know feuds with management and completely unlike you know feuds with management that we've before um a la you know like vince austin this was this was a completely different type was the it was the thing that you know inner wrestling fans and um and especially people like us who were always like crusty punk ass kids um have that whole um one of us against uh the big machine so that obviously resonated with who i was who rios was who kaden was and a lot of a lot of the you know late teens, early 20s of that time would go on to become wrestlers themselves. And it just, I don't know, it was like, it was like a breakthrough. It's, it was a breakthrough for uh, a weird staleness period in wrestling, not necessarily like WWE, just like across the board, it seemed like people weren't really interested in wrestling anymore as much as they had been you know um my freshman year of high school you couldn't turn a corner without seeing somebody uh wearing like an older mankind or dx or uh austin shirt or anything or anything like that and then in the uh rollover into the early 2010s you didn't see that sort of thing as much and i know that it definitely 
brought a lot of people back to wrestling whose interest had waned in the intervening years. Uh, so it was, it was pretty damn cool. I think even um, with CM Punk's career in particular, it was, it was this time of, you know, he'd just come back from, from injury and being on, and being on commentary. And, and obviously that's nothing that, you know, an active wrestler really wants to do, especially someone who was in their prime. So he comes back and they kind of throw him at this stable that's in like its third iteration by now. And he's not really feeling it. And then they just kind of put together this opportunity and it's just the start of something incredible. Yeah. I think we're, Skipping ahead a little bit, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I feel you that that was that was the end of my diatribe. I know, I know, I know. Listen, it's okay. We can fight about it later. Um, yeah, no, I want to kind of lay that out because it's like, uh, it can't be understated, like the impact that Punk had. Um, I think Punk is the definition of I, you know, I will. So y'all could run, um, yeah. you know, without punk, we don't have NXT without punk. Um, I, you know, the other thing is like punk was an indie superstar. Punk went from this different level of like, he was an indie superstar. He was an indie darling, but I think very easily if punk hadn't left ring of honor or if punk had just had a middling career in WWE, you know, it, it would have been this thing of like, well, you know, don't you remember CM Punk? He would have, you know, it would have been kind of like this, like he would have been like that Mike awesome territory or like, Oh, I remember that guy. He was cool. Or like Taz or yeah. like, oh, I remember that guy. He was cool. But he became this like force of nature that really showed that like, I guarantee you, like, I don't care what anyone says. Like I know a lot of people have different influences and different, people that they draw from and i'm not saying cm punk is everyone's favorite wrestler by no means is he is he that but cm punk i think did more to convince people that professional wrestling professional wrestling is worth getting into and your dreams are achievable um you just gotta you just gotta know what you're doing and you just gotta have that talent and you just gotta have that you gotta stick with it um and so yeah so i mean it, he really kicked down the door like without you know it's funny he says in his documentary like oh i couldn't change anything from my couch but like he actually like changed a lot of things in wwe by just staying home yes oh so. yeah it was that it was that quote um where it was actually uh i think joey mercury who said it because yeah he can't change anything from your couch says well you can't change wrestling from sitting on your couch in chicago yeah. uh mm-hmm. and fast forward and he did kind of change a lot of things on his couch. a big part of um you know the cm punk allure was uh what you alluded to a moment ago with him proving that you know dreams come could come true because he is the quintessential example of you know 
a skinny indie kid who was nobody from nowhere who uh you know rose through the ranks in a natural way he was um he was the guy that uh i've said this in some of my promos before that uh that uh i've never had anyone back me or anybody who saw something in me and i kind of knew that inspiration from punk's career like he he was the guy who had to continually prove himself day in and day out that he belonged there and rising the ranks naturally until he was at the place at the right time for anybody to see anything with him. And he became this indie darling who then got signed to WWE in a time when they weren't, when they were really resistant to hiring guys who weren't shredded from the gods yeah mm-hmm. and you know who weren't you know white meat all american looking looking guys who've got this tattoo riddled punk ass weird from chicago like what are, what are we doing here and it ended up being something this like as Rio said, uncontrollable force of nature. Yeah. And I say all say all that just so then I also want to lay down the groundwork of what I think is funny about the summer of punk is uh I think it's almost known it's almost like the greatest misnomer in professional wrestling because I think everyone has memory hold this idea that like, yeah, punk drops the pipe bomb has his match with Cena, becomes champion, and then goes on his big long run. And it's like, and if you watch his documentary, it definitely plays out like that. Um, But uh, it's like, no, he had a lot of goofs and gaffes and weird storyline opponents, and and we had to come back to him being champion on Survivor Series, and then you get the 434 days and all that shit. So, it's like leave it to WWE to have the most organic, natural, just explosion of storyline and groundswell at support, and still manage to fuck it up and have to retcon. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's well, almost like they've Mandela affected us. Like they're just like, no, no, that's that is how it went. Won it in Chicago and just kept running with it. Like what? Kevin yeah, Nash never showed up. Nobody talks about. Nobody talks about the the intervening time they're, between. They're gaslighting uh, us is what they're doing. Is like no, that didn't happen. He can always. Can you imagine how insane forever. it would have been if he had been champion Money in the Bank 2011, like all the way to fucking Royal Rumble 2013? Like, like, yeah, he'd be fucking. If he like, like, I mean, he was kind of doing that already, where he was like turning into Gollum with his fucking belt towards the end. Yeah, but like it would have meant so much more if it's like he literally has ne- like had the most amazing moment of his career and has just been living off of that for fucking two years. Yeah. Uh, but well, I think that's uh, I think that sets the floor. So where are we starting? How are we doing? Uh, should, should I eat another one of these strawberries? No, I'm <laughs> if not. If you're ready to die. die. 
You know, we have things to do tomorrow. And I think if strawberries start tasting bleachy, it's because they're fermenting. So you may be drunk. Yeah. Uh, It was was just a thought. Unless you're trying to make penicillin in your stomach, I'd stop. Yeah. All right. Okey pokey. Um, All right. So CM Punk is injured uh, in a match fuck with christian uh and he ends up hurting his hip and uh is out for a few months uh they move him to commentary state uh commentary working with michael cole and lawler at the time and he's um he's fucking shining he's taking everyone's like he's taking everything and just putting it out there and really just fucking being the commentator that we want, the, that wrestling commentary. He was the Corey Graves before there was Corey Graves. Um, and uh, which led to one of my favorite commentary moments. And I don't know how many people remember it, but like John Cena bumps into the commentary table and knocks over CM Punk's Diet Pepsi. And he's like, John, my diet, diet soda. soda, my diet soda, John. Um which is hilarious to me, but I know it's not That's that the reason funny. behind yeah. the entire feud. Yeah. So it all that damn diet soda. I wish that the promos would have led to that. Like, or it would have been in pipe bomb. And he's like, you know, John, we could have avoided this if you would have just given a fuck about my diet soda. What I love about that bit is like, I know what's funny about it is the dryness in which he says yeah. it. Like my diet soda, John, but yeah. John, um, my diet soda. John, my diet soda. <laughs> but I think what's even funnier about that is I like to think of that moment of like he wanted to say Diet Pepsi because that's probably what he was drinking. Yeah. Like, shit, we're not sponsored by Pepsi, so I can't say that. So, yeah. like, the mental gymnastics he went through to be like, my diet soda, John. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. Anything to. To uh, save yourself or save the company from a, a potential lawsuit, or I don't even no, I don't even think it'd be a lawsuit. It'd just be more like free advertising. In his ear. Yeah, it's been to be in his ear, like we're we're spot, we're not sponsored by Pepsi. Our advertisers, but I'm just like, oh Jesus. Um. So yeah, that's brilliant. Which I don't know. Can we name this uh, these deep dives, John? My diet soda, and then if there's a sequel, my diet soda, John. Um, <laughs> my giant soda. Um, so yeah, so he's doing commentary for a while, and um, out of nowhere in the middle of a match, he's like, "I just I can't do this right now," and shows up uh, in the match and uh, interrupts it and fucks over Cena, right? Yeah. Oh, is that the R Truth match? No, we're talking. There's a, a match prior to this that okay. he's just on commentary for. I can't remember who it is. I probably should have written that down. Um, but there was a match prior to this, and uh, I want to say it's a John Cena. It may have been a John Cena R Truth match leading up to this. Um, but or was it? Maybe it was Wade Barrett. I think it has something to do with Nexus. Either way. Um, he interrupts the match and uh, it leads to him announcing that he's coming back to he'll be he was cleared and he's wrestling again. Um, this leads to Nexus uh, t- 
two or 3.0, maybe, maybe 3.0, I guess, ideally. Um, which is like Heath Slater, David Otunga, McGillicuddy, McGillicuddy. I no Wade Barrett wasn't involved in this one. Husky um, Harris. I don't think Husky was involved in this one either. Yeah, no, maybe he, he was. was. He was because the, the, the whippings. Yeah. And uh, Justin Gabriel. I, I, know, I, I know Husky Harris was involved because back when, you know, The Fiend was getting booked, um, he was trying to go uh, punk and having a match with him because his whole gimmick as The Fiend was that he was trying to wrestle everybody that had ever wronged him yeah. in his WWE career. And he was, like, digging deep for the, like, you know, like, well, you know, when I was Husky Harris, you know, you beat me. Yeah, like yeah. I think there's like a segment where he beats Husky Harris yeah, with a yardstick or something. Yeah, shit. no, I yeah, think it's like a belt or, it, or a whip. It or wasn't something. as the fiend. It was it was as Bray Wyatt, and then they finally they finally grab him, and um, uh, Harper and Rowan are on either side of him, holding him up, and then Bray Wyatt gets really close to his face and says, "I've been no, waiting no, no, a no, long no, no, time." No, there's no, 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 no. There is a NXT. There's a sorry, NXT. There's a Nexus segment. Where Husky Harris gets whipped by the orders of Punk. Yeah. No. Yes, I I remember, and I'm saying um, when he was trying to goad Punk later as Bray Wyatt into no, no. into fighting. Well, maybe maybe he did it as Bray Wyatt, but he did it as Fiend too. Because yeah, like he, when he did it as Fiend, it was when yeah, because it was when Punk was doing the backstage show. And so he thought, oh, he's in the company. Let's try to get him. Let me try to get this match out of him. Oh, 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 oh. yeah. 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 But anyway, to answer your question, Husky Harris was in Punk's Nexus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then uh, Mason Ryan as the final addition to it, um, which involved Mason Ryan kicking Punk in the face. So Punk won a match by DQ. Or something. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, so Punk is is the leader of the new Nexus, um, and uh, fuck, what am, where was my brain going from there? So Punk's the leader in the new Nexus. They run some some shit, and members just keep dropping like flies until it's the tag team champs and CM Punk as the last few members of new Nexus. Um, CM Punk, uh, like two weeks out, uh, out from money in the bank, which, um, uh, two weeks out prior to money in the bank, they're looking for a number one contender because truth has been beaten by John Cena at the most recent pay-per-view that was capital punishment. Um, so the number one contender match is Alberto Del Rio, Rey Mysterio, and CM Punk. CM Punk ends up winning the match and becoming the number one contender for the match. Um, then later that night in the main event, which was kind of lackluster in general, was uh, CM Punk or CM not CM Punk, John Cena versus R Truth. Uh, in a tables match uh, where you lose by going through a table. Um, 
uh, R-Truth is about to get an F5 through a table when CM Punk walks up to ringside, moves the ta- flips the table over so no one can go through it, um, slides in the ring, fucking hits John Cena with something, or goats John Cena, one of the two, uh, leading to R-Truth spearing John Cena through a different table and winning the match. Uh, while John Cena is laid out... Here comes what some may consider the greatest promo in current wrestling history, at least in the last few decades, what is later to be dubbed the Pipe Bomb promo. Um, So before we kind of slide into the Pipe Bomb promo, when you guys heard the Pipe Bomb promo, um, what were your thoughts initially? Like, did you think it was worked? Did you think it was shoot? Um, what did you guys think? I didn't even think about whether it was a work or a shoot at that point. Cause I, I didn't even, I didn't even care. I was, I was just like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I had never heard anything remotely like that, uh, up until up until this point i almost because i remember i was uh i was folding laundry and i wasn't even really paying attention uh to raw just kind of like glancing up at it uh because i had started watching uh late that day and i was kind of annoyed because i had missed whatever punk was doing earlier in the show uh so i was only really half paying attention uh and then i see i see punk is somehow involved in the main event and like i didn't even i didn't even catch what he did um that allowed truth to win so i just see him uh just gathering himself and descending into the uh cross-legged position on the stage and start to speak and i'm like where how are we what what's going on here and it was just i remember watching the whole thing and i was holding my what was it i know i was holding a wrestling shirt i I think it was one of my Undertaker shirts. That's how vividly I remember this. And I just remember holding it and not folding it because I was standing there watching the TV like, what the fuck is going on? And after it faded to black, I was still holding I was still holding the shirt and my phone was blowing up from like all of my friends that still watch wrestling were like, did you just fucking see that? And I was too awestruck to even think about whether it was a work or a shoot at that point. Fair. Rios? Yeah, I mean, I never once in a million years thought it was a shoot. Um, I I mean, I thought it was a shoot in the sense that I'm sure Punk genuinely that way about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, I... I immediately understood that this was just an agreed upon understanding that he's going to say these things. Um, I think think it was, I think it was, they were just like, go nuts. 
and yeah, yeah no, they cut not, off at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm not saying someone literally sat there and wrote, wrote a promo it. with them. Yeah, no I'm just did. saying, like, I, I know that he had carte blanche to just do whatever he wanted, and yeah. um, I think that's what excited me about the moment was um you know so much of everything that bothers us about wrestling is like you know we all know how good it can be and people just are allowed to experiment and express themselves and kind of go with their gut and are allowed to fail if you know even if a good idea goes wrong like or just allowed to learn like what like okay you know i have all these ideas all right go out there and do it and if it doesn't work you learn why it work mm-hmm. um you know so it was just one of those things where it's like it, it just was like you know there was so much optimism in that moment where it was just like oh things are different now things are gonna be better like we're gonna um Wrestling's gonna evolve, and we're gonna we're gonna tell better stories, and we're gonna do better things. And you know, um, that didn't quite happen. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, that was just the moment where I felt like, wow, okay, we're 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 cutting through the bullshit, and we're really gonna just start laying saying it as it is, letting guys like you know see their full potential. Um, so yeah, I mean that was that's what I took from the moment that like oh okay wrestling's cool again like wrestling's yeah. gonna be you know not like I'm not one of these people that's like oh man I wish things were like they were in the Attitude Era like obviously I love the Attitude Era that was when I was a kid but like it's not like it was a perfect era like there's good stuff from all eras it's just that like you did get that thing oh okay so because this happened anything is possible and that's when wrestling's the best that's when wrestling really works is yeah. when you feel like anything can happen yeah it's a, it was a catalyst i think personally i was three years deep into wrestling at that point like i would had been working for about three years and um i remember thinking like well it's definitely a work man this is wwe it's a work um and i think from interviews that i've heard they essentially said, like, this, the storyline type vibe that they've given out is that he, they said, here's a mic, go air your grievances, we'll cut you off when we're ready to. But, like, I think they said, like, they gave him parameters at the end of the day, and I think he knew what his parameters were, was, um, but he chose to say a lot of things that, like, were hot topic, hot button things that were things we sh- we were told or they were told at the time not to say people they were not supposed to talk about things they were not supposed to talk about uh and i think the first one that we deal with in the promo is um when he says um uh, he's talking to cena and he says there's one thing you're better than uh than uh you're better at than i am and that's kissing Mc- Mc- uh, vince mcmahon's ass you're as good of as ki- you're as good as kissing Vince McMahon's ass as Hulk Hogan was. Hulk Hogan was a no-no topic at that point. Um, and then he uh, brings up The Rock and he says, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know if you're as good as Dwayne though. He's a pretty good ass kicker, kisser. Always was, 
still is. So you weren't supposed to talk about the Hollywood people at that point, like the wrestlers who had left WWE for Hollywood and for other reasons. So they hot button. He kind of hot buttoned when he started talking about Hogan uh, and the rock. Um, uh, yeah. So then ideally that leads to him being like, oops, I'm breaking the fourth wall. Uh, and waving to the camera, which was funny to me because I feel like was he really breaking the fourth wall at that point, other than just looking directly into the camera? Uh, um, then he drops the bomb that he's a Paul Heyman guy, something that like that term had never been used before, right? I'm a Paul Heyman guy. Yeah, That's it's so we- funny. It's so funny to me that like that became. That that was like such a taboo thing or wild thing that he said at the time, and it's like yeah. literally like branded catchphrase now, like Paul Heyman guy, like yeah. or I'm you know. the something something guy. Oh yeah, yeah. like that's just an under that's just like an understood thing now in wrestling is like you know your guy, you know. Um, yeah, and it's just every wrestler and their mom ripped off that shirt too. It'd be like I'm a so and so guy, and it's like mm-hmm. we get it. You like that promo too, um, and then after saying he's a Paul Heyman guy, guess who else is a Paul Heyman guy? Brock Lesnar. Brock mm. Lesnar picked up his bag and fucking left. Um, you weren't. You definitely were not supposed to talk about Brock Lesnar at that. That point. was a hard no no. Um, what like one thing that I've noticed that like a lot of times, um, or one thing that like popped me in this promo is that uh he says i'm the best wrestler in the world and at that point i'm pretty sure the word wrestler was like a no-no too because we're not wrestlers we're sports entertainers right or or superstars or superstars but in no means are we wrestlers um so that was a hot button that i don't like i've i pulled up a bunch of videos of other people's like talking about this and their opinions and whatnot and that's one thing that like nobody talked about but i remember at the time vividly hearing people say like you're not supposed to say wrestler on tv you might as well be dropping like an f-bomb um so that was that was a shock to me at that point too um he goes on to talk about vince mcmahon's brass rings and how like he keeps setting things up for all the other wrestlers, all these wrestlers like oh, brother, you just got to push through this and we'll give you that, but you're never actually getting that. Um, which I think that's, um, that happens everywhere in wrestling. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, um, trying to think what else in this promo that really, um, you know, made waves uh, when he says hi to Colt Cabana. I think mm-hmm. that popped me. And uh, a few that other... surprisingly did not age well. Yeah. Um, and ironically, because like right after he left the company in uh, 14, he went on to do Colt's podcast and was the most listened to wrestling podcast ever of all time, I'm pretty sure. Or episode of all time. Um... He says uh, another hot button thing where he says, uh, maybe I'll leave with the title and go defend it at New Japan Pro Wrestling or I'll go back to Ring of Honor. Um, Because you weren't supposed to talk about that at the time either. 
Um, um, yeah, so there's a lot that he kind of hits in there. I don't want to just go like word for word through it, but you guys have probably seen the promo. Um, I synced it. If, if, if y'all haven't seen the promo, it's on like every fucking website ever. Just if Google they it. haven't seen the promo, there's like a zero percent chance they're listening to this podcast. Like I've yeah. forced my I've forced my mother to watch that promo. Yeah. Um, God, I hope she doesn't listen to our podcast. Um, uh, yeah, but he was just uh, saying part of what made it so impactful was that he was uh, name dropping a lot of people, places, things that um, in WWE universe in the kayfabe of WWE doesn't exist. Like, Mm -hmm. um, especially at that time, um, no one and nothing else existed beyond the realms of WWE. Like everybody's no one from nowhere. Yeah. Now, nowadays, like, you see, you know, commentary puts over, like, oh, former IWGP uh, champion, mm-hmm. you know, done numerous tours with uh, New Japan and All Japan, uh, was a fixture in uh, AAA in, in Mexico. Uh, like, yeah. they they definitely didn't do that back then. No, the idea back then was, like, that nothing else matters but WWE. And I think, like this kind of rung in the real world aspect. And I don't mean it in like Mike, the Miz type real world. I mean, like the fact that like we're on social media now wrestling's on social media. You don't, you know, fucking what CM Punk's dog looks like, you know, what the Miz's daughter is doing, you know, like whatever John Cena's current haircut, like all of these things, you know, before the show and like fuck edge showed his gear before he made his return in 2020 at the Royal or 2020 at the Royal rumble. Like he posted that morning, his gear, like there's no, yeah. Oh, remember that. Yeah. So that's why I was like, that's fucking weird. Like he posted his gear, like, cause I followed him on, I follow him on, on a couple social medias. He posted his gear and he was like, uh, the fuck do you say something along the lines of like i don't know maybe or some shit like that like we're at a point where like it's too late i'm googling it yeah and um i'm pretty sure the quote was like something along the lines of i don't know maybe but he dropped his like a photo of his gear we're at a point where wwe like wrestlers aren't kayfabing the internet anymore like alexa bliss on tv and alexa bliss in real life like Alexa Bliss is a fucking um, boy band like uh, enthusiast, and her boyfriend is Ryan Cabrera. And then she goes on the show, and she's like the dark demon fucking bleh, 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 like shit. And it's like we don't have to live in this world anymore where we say like wrestlers are themselves that fucking um, like from day one. Like they are their character. We it's gone, and I think that this was kind of the catalyst that made it happen. Uh, so yeah, so pipe bomb. Uh, Vince comes out the next week. CM Punk is s- suspended indefinitely from WWE. 
as the greatest Vince McMahon impersonation ever. Uh, I thought it was in the room. I look just like him. I know twins. Um, but um, yeah, so Vince suspends him. So the July fourth episode of Monday Night Raw is punkless, and. Uh, Golden Boy John Cena stands up to bat and says, you can't suspend him for speaking his mind. Uh, you need to bring him back because I'm fighting him at blah, 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 uh, at Money in the Bank, and that's what's up. Uh, Money in the Bank is, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the contract has not been signed. Uh, I don't think we said this before, but CM Punk basically had until the night of money in the bank for his contract to be left uh, with WWE. Like he had that much time left and it just happened to end at money in the bank. Um, uh, He said, I'm going to leave with the WWE title and there's nothing you can fucking do about it. So Vince is doing everything he can in his power to offer punk, whatever, to get him to sign a contract for the next year or two or whatever new WWE contract. And there's a contract signing and, uh, who would have thunk it? A pro wrestling contract signing did not go as planned. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> Get out of that, here! That doesn't. That doesn't track. I'm gonna professionals. Can we? Uh, when we finally get around to making a Demon Road Diaries uh, pro wrestling show, can we have a contract signing that just involves people signing papers, shaking hands, and moving forward? Because I think that's fucking uh, hilarious. I think, I mean, I, I think I have seen the occasional contract signing that does go well, but then there's always, there's something related to the contract signing that happens that is mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh, okay, that's the angle they're shooting for. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, if there's a table for the contract signing, it's someone's going through it. If there's a clipboard for the contract signing, they're breaking over somebody's head. Yeah. Like, there's always something. Um, oh, like, WWE literally tweeted a video of um, Edge declaring for the Royal Rumble the day before the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Damn, I must have been living under a rock January 2020. So that means, like, literally no one pays attention to WWE's Twitter. Yeah. Um, not here. But it was, I'm telling you, he was he took a photo of his gear. I'm cl- I clear as day. Remember, it was in his gear bag. His bag is a 90 degree angle, and the tight the tights are hanging over. Uh, and he's like, you. I don't know, maybe. Um, but yeah. So you know, whatever. I mean, I was like, okay, you're just fucking with us. But that music, he, he could have literally came to my house and said, like, yo, I'm gonna be in the Royal well, Rumble like, this year. Didn't he also tweet like? A picture of him with his girls. Yeah. And be like, sorry guys, I'm at home right now. Hate to be, you know, yeah, I wonder if that was like a recovery thing. Like, they were like, yo, they know, so you better like, fuck with them. Well, I, they know because WWE tweeted the fucking video. Yeah. Um, but I think what's really funny is, uh, was Beth Phoenix's response to it? Wait, he said what? Like Beth, Beth Phoenix, like so he like shares his like you know yeah like, that was like, literally that was her literally her tweet was wait what yeah no I think she said something like I thought you said you were going to get coffee creamer 
Yeah. Something along those lines. Like he, yeah, like, that it, was like right after he, um, right after he uh, entered the Rumble. Yeah. Like he said he was going to get Kramer. Yeah. So fuck. To try to get back on track ish. Um, where were we? We were in Chicago. It's money in the bank, right? Oh no. Contract signing. Um, Which he never says anyone. We get. I'm gonna get a noteboard for next time we do a deep dive. Um, so Vince is like, "What do you want? What do you want to 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 sign this goddamn contract? God damn it!" And he's like, "I want CM Punk ice cream bars." And uh, WWE and then, will immediately begin production on CM Punk the movie. I want cups, coasters, spoons, knives, forks. All, all of the things. I want to be a happy meal toy. So we know that we know that Tony Khan's going to make ice cream bars. Like that has to happen. Yeah, no, wasn't there already photos of it? Wait, there's already photos of the CM Punk ice cream bars. No, of the AEW ice cream bars. Wait, AEW ice cream bars. Is this a thing? Uh. I see a picture, but it's like a Photoshop picture. Yeah. Yeah. With the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks Bucks were quoted as saying that they want ice cream bars, but there's no proof of them yet. Uh, They're being cheeky. Oh, okay. Well, I was like, that'd be tight because if WWE can do it, then I guess AEW can do it. Um, I'm just saying, like, I've I like. I didn't even go get the ice cream bars when WWE finally made them because like I said, punk wasn't on them. So I was like, but the second, the second AEW drops a fucking CM punk ice cream bar, I am first in line. Yeah. Yeah. I will be buying plenty of those. I uh, have uh, dairy allergies, but I will still be eating them. Okay. Fuck your dairy allergies. We're having a a fucking party. Um, So yeah. So CM Punk wants uh, uh, all the shit John Cena gets uh, because he believes that he's the best wrestler in the world because it's the fucking goddamn truth. And uh, including CM Punk ice cream bars and and, uh, Mr. Man is having nothing to do with it. Uh, So it is Money in the Bank 2011. um, And we are in Chicago, home of CM Punk. The audience is filled with CM Punk signs, including if Punk loses, we riot, which I mean, do you and it was it was gigantic, too. It was like the size of a bed sheet and they hung it over the banister on one of the upper levels. It may have been a bed sheet. And it was like you could feel the energy in the air that was in the stadium or in the arena. Like it was, it was palpable. I, you couldn't pay me to tell, to tell you a single other match on the card. The only thing I, the only other thing I remember is that Del Rio, um, who is one of the most trash human beings on the face of this earth, won the briefcase. Mm-hmm. I can feel it. Coming in, in the air tonight. tonight. Oh, oh Lord. Uh, um. 
So cut the tension with a butter knife. It was it was also the last time that he would enter to this fire burns by kill switch engage. Yeah. And we had no clue. We had no idea. And just like when it fucking drops and he descends into the cross legged position once again. And he's fucking ready, and he's wearing that new uh, Best in the World shirt, um, but the version that said I was there, because it was the, uh, you know, the special pay-per-view edition that you could only get if you were there, and the crowd was filled with them already. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was, uh, I'm sure that was a huge moneymaker for them. Oh, yeah, hands down. I remember um, the second I saw the shirt, I jumped on wbshop.com and looked for it i was like yo can we buy this yet can we buy this yet and i think uh it was available that the next day on wb shop and it was like either like 27 dollars or 30 dollars it was really fucking expensive and i was like no i don't think i don't think i can do it i just um in 2011 i wasn't uh No, uh, I didn't have spend that much money on it. You spent thirty dollars on a T-shirt of a guy who wasn't even with the company anymore. I yeah. was dead ass broke, and I made my ex spend that money. I uh, I remember think the I think the most I've ever spent on a T-shirt just in general was uh, I remember uh, you guys ever you guys ever check out Peak uh, Finn Balor's clothing line? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he did a limited edition collaboration shirt with Action Bronson where Action Bronson made the design and I was just like, Well shit, Finn Balor, Action Bronson, this shirt is made for me. Yeah. Um so I ordered it knowing it was gonna be a little expensive, but I, I underestimated how expensive it was gonna be. Um because uh not only was it a bit of a bougie shirt, but then I had to pay I had to pay import taxes and like ship ex- uh, international shipping because mm-hmm. uh, all of Finn Balor's shit comes from Ireland. Um, so like, I think at the end of the day, I spent fifty five dollars on that one t shirt. Jesus fuck. Yeah. Money well spent. But, yeah. I uh, I was gonna say I bought a, a t shirt and a hoodie from um, from Alistair Black's clothing line black mass and it was like with shipping it was like 82 dollars or some shit like that and i was like look this hoodie better be the most comfortable thing i've ever put on fuck it is the most comfortable hoodie i've ever put on so i am such a slut for black mass yeah i have like it's the only clothing that i have bought probably in a year are you, yeah. are you talking about Black Craft or Black Mass? Black Mass. Oh, okay. Also Black Craft. I am I was about to say, like I've I've heard you say, massive slut for Black Craft. Yeah, that I know to be true. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah. So CM Punk John Cena is a pretty solid match. Um. All in all, some may say match of the year. I um, that. You certain we some of us say it, um, and uh, after a series of AAs and a series of go to sleeps, 
Um, and a don't lot of other all, letters. All, don't forget all of the interference. That's the end. Or that's afterwards, though. No, before. Oh, it is close to the end. Yeah, you're right. Be- um, because uh, I think uh, Laurinaitis whacks him with a clipboard or something. No, so Laurinaitis, uh, uh, Vinch is uh, waves in Laurinaitis to come in and uh, attacks uh, CM Punk. And John Cena slides out of the ring and just fucking knocks out Laurinaitis on the apron. So essentially, like, yeah, he's like, no way, no, not fucking happening. So ideally, like, no one could get DQ'd because neither of the participants were attacked. So if Laurinaitis would have came in there and hit either of them, Belt would have stayed with Cena and, um, and I guess it wouldn't have fucking mattered who won. Um, so Laurinaitis comes, uh, rushing. He gets knocked out by John Cena. John Cena feeds back in, into a GTS. Good night, Cena. Uh, he does a, you know, he does a good favor for his friend and then eats the knee and it's game over. CM Punk is your new WWE world champion or WWE champion. And uh, the hometown crowd is losing their fucking mind. So what does Vince do? Vince rushes to the microphone or to a headset and says, send out Del Rio. Send out Del Rio right now. Get uh, get, get that get that get Del Rio down here. Case. He he says it like he doesn't even really know Del Rio's name. He's like, get, uh, get, get Del Rio out here. Get Del Rio down here now. So Del Rio comes rushing out. Um briefcase in hand and CM Punk just kicks him right in the temple and knocks his ass out cold which um, is that a black mass? That kick that he hit him with? Is that debatably the same thing? Uh, Oh, you're muted, Rios. No, he just hit him with um, like like a roundhouse kick. It wasn't like a full black mass. I don't know what you would call the black mass, but it wasn't that. Okay, fair. Um, so he hits him with this dope roundhouse kick and knocks him out cold, and then goes rushing through the crowd with uh, with all of the lackeys chasing behind him, if I remember correctly. Yeah, security's chasing behind him. He sits on the barricade, blows a kiss to Vince McMahon, gives that fucking kid next to him his forever profile picture. Yeah. And uh, he runs off and then um, immediately posted to YouTube and Twitter where clips people had taken on their cell phone as mm-hmm. they were in the concession line. Like, who goes to the concession line during the main event? The end but of the, the main event, yeah. The end of the main event, but I digress. And they actually catch footage of him running out the front door of the arena. Um. So I just I just did a quick Google search because I, I needed to know what people were recording this on. Um, and the hot phones of 2011. Um, what's the number one? I know it's got to be the iPhone, but is iPhone four. So the uh, the highest quality was probably like a like a like a four eighty. Like a 480p yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, a 720 HD on the Galaxy Nexus. Ironic. Um, 
but yeah, so, uh, so CM Punk runs off and he is not seen on Monday Night Raw. Um, the next day, uh, and Vince McMahon says, well, he didn't sign a contract, so the title doesn't really belong to him. He's not the champ. We're going to have a, a, a title match for the for the title, and John Cena ends up becoming the, the undisputed WWE champ. Yeah, but that's after... No, like, they didn't the, call it undisputed. Had, yeah, well, no, they had the... Well, no, because they had that bullshit, like... They had that like bullshit tournament, and then like, oh, okay. and then like the one night tournament where Rey Mysterio wins the tournament. He wins his first, not his first world championship, but his first time and only time winning the WWE championship. And then Cena challenges him the same night, and I'm just like, why couldn't that have been a pay per view match? Like, why couldn't yeah. we have just let Ray have the belt for a few weeks? Mm-hmm. Um. Especially if we're supposed to be doing this whole thing where Punk is supposed to be on the outside, like, flaunting the title and being like, I'm going to all these conventions and different, I might show up in Impact or some shit. Like, like he's supposed to be this rogue champion taunting you. Yeah, um, like, remember when he showed up at fucking Comic-Con and, 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 uh... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, crashed uh, the WWE toys panel. Yeah, exactly. And like, like fucked about with Triple H. Yeah, and it's like it'd be fine. Like whatever you want, Cena. Because I know the thing they wanted to build to was, which is what they did, which is Cena beats Ray for the belt, and then you get that um, that shot of Punk coming out with his new music. And he comes out and he stares him down. They both have a belt. Who is the true WWE champion? Like, I get it. You're building to that. But why couldn't we actually, like, waited, like, a month? Like, let yeah. let that shit marinate. And especially just, like, Cena's supposed to be the babyface. And he's making Mysterio defend the belt the same night he won it. Yeah. And it's just like, god damn, dude. Um. Yeah, and he, so he comes out to his new music, which is Cult of Personality from Living Color, um, mm. which was his ROH music, right? I don't remember that being a thing. Was that a thing? Uh-huh. I don't know. I, I feel like I read that somewhere. I could be very wrong, but I feel like I read that somewhere. Um, and... Uh, either way, uh, he comes out to new music, um, and they got... Uh, living color to actually re-record the song so it'd be in like hd quality or whatever they needed yeah because the song is from like 1994 or some shit yeah yeah so it was like an old old punk rock song or old i don't know fucking song regardless and um um so Uh new music and he's returned yeah. John Cena is the, uh, I don't know, paper champion, I guess. At this point, CM Punk still holds the belt. Uh, this leads to a f- series of a few matches, if I remember correctly. Well, isn't, uh, isn't this, uh, well, this is this builds to SummerSlam, right? Yeah, this builds to, Jesus Christ, I, I have notes. Not really, but I have information. <laughs> I, that, I have notes, I swear. I have notes. I wrote the notes. Um, um, it it was 
uh, what do you call it? He crashes the panel. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, returns to Raw. Um, he returns to Raw July 25th. So the panel is July 21st. Uh, and then he shows up on July 25th. So then uh, Triple H says that both of their claims to the title are legitimate, which goes to the match at SummerSlam to decide the undisputed champion. Uh, and he won, but then Del Rio cashes in after certain wrestler by the name of Oz... Sorry, uh, Kevin Nash uh, fucks everything up. Yeah. Um, which later leads into a feud with, not a feud per se, but a storyline that involves Punk, Triple H, and Nash, and it's a very in and out, wavy mess. Um, and Johnny Ace. And Johnny Ace, uh, always, yes. Uh, but this this would conclude the first run of CM Punk that is what would be referred to as the Summer of Punk that eventually leads into the long, long run of, what, 468 days? Is that what it is? 434. 434, very close. That's uh, still a meme with one of me and my best friends. Like, if we happen to glance at our phones at 4.34 p.m. Mm-hmm. or see that on, like, a mile marker or just any yeah. on a receipt, anywhere in the yeah. wild, we'll take a picture and send it to each other. That's how prevalent it still is. As it should be. Uh, 4.34 Um but that is a CM Punk story for a later time and for a different um, deep dive. Uh, so I think we have uh, chronicled chapter one of the CM Punk adventure or a chapter of the summer of punk. Uh, uh, before which you leads kinda... into the fall, winter, spring and summer again. Yes. It's almost like time is a circle. Um, Jeremy, to answer Jeremy. your question, his Ring of Honor theme was a song called Miseria Cantre or whatever. It was, it's an AFI Cantera. song. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Well, then I was misinformed. Um, so. So CM Punk confirmed as an email. Um, <laughs> confirmed as an email. CM Punk has been confirmed as a hot topic employee. All mm. right. Um, so yes. Um, yeah, that was what we, I guess, could dub the summer of punk. Um, I mean, maybe- I think there's, there's more that you could go into it about it, but I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, like, Okay, you have this really hot start with the fucking pipe bomb, and then you go into, um, you know, the the build up with Cena, and then you get the match of Money in the Bank, which is just this all time classic moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's like, okay, it feels like we're fast tracking right now to bring him back, but whatever. And then it just kind of after he comes back, it just like all falls apart and suddenly Kevin Nash is involved mm-hmm. and and he gets cashed in on by Del Rio and it's just like what are we doing <laughs> he loses the triple threat 
Um, and it's just like, why? And then, and then the kicker of it all, I think, how about, how would you guys feel about this? I propose maybe as a bonus material, we should do a watch along of his night of champions match against triple H. Cause that was hands down one of the dumbest booking booking decisions <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. And 100% for that, because you know that those are two of my favorite wrestlers of all yeah. time. And also that is a key factor that he mentioned in his uh, art of wrestling episode that that was a key reason he was so bitter against the company was triple H not putting him over. That's fair. It's like, <laughs> you can't just do this for me. So to wrap it up, guys, uh, what, uh, what made CM Punk stand out to you guys? Like short and sweet, two sentences. What, what made CM Punk your guy before we call it a fucking pod? I guess for me, what made him my guy was he made me feel like there was a place for me in wrestling. Heard. Uh, I think for me, it was someone I could identify with. At the time, I was straight edge. I was just getting into the wrestling business, uh, and I was um, a smaller dude. So having someone who ideally at that point looked like a much smaller dude um, who was not only punk rock but uh, straight edge gave me like the idea that, wow, maybe I can do this. I think the that's what kind of sold him to me. Hmm. For me, in a very roundabout way, I high-key, low-key credit CM Punk for like kind of saving my life. Chelsea Durden was a massive alcoholic in high school, uh, late high school, leading into the summer between high school and college. Um, there was a point where I almost died, and I spent that night watching all of the... Uh, Straight society promos that I could find on um, on YouTube and like just really any content from yesteryear of punk talking about straight edge uh, and never drank again until I did, but I still don't. Heard and uh, then until you ate bleached strawberries. Yes. <laughs> Uh, until I ate the bleached strawberries. Um, fuck, there's no turning back from that. No. They'll be popping bleached strawberries all night long tomorrow. Speaking That's of tomorrow, I know this episode's going to come out before or afterwards. Uh, this weekend we have Kaju Big Battle at the Tampa Bay MetroCon. So uh, if you're in the future and have a time machine and want to go on Saturday, come check it out. We do have some shows coming up, uh, each of us, I think. Uh, Rios, uh, I know at, t- uh, was it August? When, when August, is Tampa Bay? 7th? Yeah, August 7th. We all have Tampa Bay. Yeah, you're booked, yeah. too. You're or booked, actually, Daddy. Steve Uber is booked. Is Steve Uber booked or am I booked? Steve I mean, Uber. Whoever you want to put in there. Uh, yeah. Because okay, I was thinking they're going to need at least a few guys. So Steve Uber... Me. I mean, bring 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 your Steve Uber gear. Uh, I don't know if there is Stuber Uber gear. Stuber Uber. I don't know if Stuber. Stuber Uber. Bum bum bum. 
It's the king of safety, Steve Uber. I feel like you can start out as Steve Uber, die, and come back from death as Caden Green. That's mm. fair. I think it's doable. Um, so Tampa Bay Pro, oh, is it over the top? Is that what they're calling this? Over one the top, yeah. Push it to the limit. Um, it's over the top. August seventh, Campbell Park Rec Center, Saint Petersburg, Florida. Uh, there will be a 40-man Royal Rumble-style match to determine the number one contender for the Tampa Bay Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Championship, of which I am the current holder. So let's see which one of you fuckers tries to get my belt. Uh, on the same day, I will be defending that belt against Steven Frick, former champion, former classmate of for mine. For realsies this time. For realsies. We're going to do it, damn it. We're going live. Um, And Chelsea, you're in a tag team contest as far as I, I sure am the very first women's tag team match in tampa bay pro history it will be myself chelsea durden and the recently debuted lethal academy graduate emily luck versus the team of bad and bougie catalina perez and lexi gomez ha, who says i can't announce uh, no, one said that. no, nobody said that. Um, yeah, and I will be in a forty-man gauntlet with possibly Steve Uber. Yeah, no, uh, Dave Steve Uber, the, the best Dave wrestling Gilling, gimmick in the world, <laughs> the best wrestling gimmick ever, the King of Safety, Steve Uber. Um, yeah. Ooh, I, the Sultan of Safety. The Sultan of Safety. I like it because it's mm. kind of like taking somebody else's moniker, and uh, that's funny. Um, yeah. Uh, so if you have, if you are in the St. Pete area, go can, out to that can, one. Can we say Steve Uber, the shift supervisor of safety? The supervisor, the shift, the shift supervisor. supervisor of safety. Uh, yes. Uh, so that's a thing you can find us there you can also find us online uh you want to know how you can do that oh fuck before i slide to that last little bit we have a new thing that we are on uh you can buy us a cup of coffee we talk a lot uh we're tired life is hard uh and we need coffee so if you uh i'm gonna put it in the show notes um but you can head to ko-fi uh, slash Demon Road Diaries, and you can buy us a cup of coffee. Like I don't know, just donate three bucks and help us, you know, put get the show further. Uh, buy us go go bean juice. Go 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 bean juice go. Uh, but anyway, you can find Demon Road Diaries by simply searching Demon Road Diaries on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find the coda at We Are the Coda on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. ProWrestlingTees.com and Gmail if you're trying to book us. You can find me personally at MusicCityKG on Instagram, Twitter, PlayStation Network, Cash App, Venmo, Pornhub. Um, <laughs> not <laughs> not on, on Pornhub. <laughs> what was that last one again? Don't worry about it. You can find me, your bastard son, at Bastard Son Rios on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok.
you can find me, Chelsea Durden, at Durden Says on Instagram, at The Durden Says on Twitter, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Chelsea Durden. If you are interested in helping me put my cats through college, it is very expensive. They are getting their degrees in philosophy, and we all know that doesn't pay, so I'm going to have to be supporting their asses forever. Please leave my mother alone in your Instagram comments. She's a very kind woman and doesn't appreciate your back sass. Uh, from all of us here at Demon Road Diaries for the Music City Messiah, Katie Green, the bastard son, Ronnie Rios, and the necessarily bleached Chelsea Durden, we hope that you stay safe and stay yeah. I didn't work out today. Or this week. You gotta, you gotta hit yeah. the yeah, I had the sign. <laughs>